supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. AM 1420. AM 1420. WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Boy, we are on top of our game tonight. This is uh, this is world class, Matt Costa. <laughs> After a long day, I'm tired of seeing you today. Actually, me too. Yeah, I've had enough of you. But uh, we got two more hours together, and then the ride home, which could take another two hours if uh, if Hurricane Kyle's uh, you know tail end here, or whatever the heck is going on, weather wise keeps batting us down. But uh, this is Spooky South Coast, where we talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night, as we are here to talk with you tonight. And it's you know it's a dark and stormy night, so it's a perfect night to, you know, as the as the gentleman says, you know, turn on all the lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades, because uh, we're going to be talking with Psychic Tiffany Johnson in just a bit about just psychic abilities in general, as well as taking some of your calls and. And uh, she'll see if she can give you a reading over the phone, and it's going to be fun. I mean, we always have a good time when we when we bring on a psychic such as Tiffany or or Rick Hayes that we've had on the past because it gives the listeners a chance to really you know kind of take over the show. They get a chance to ask the questions that they want to ask, and they get to find out a little bit more insight about themselves. And I think that this is I think if you can bring on somebody like Tiffany every once in a while and and kind of let people. Speak with them, and and you, you you're kind of doing a service to the listening audience. You know what I mean, Matt Moniz. I do. But if you do it like too much, uh, then you're kind of just taking away from the show for everybody. Because then it kind of becomes just about the people that call in and the people that are listening. Kind of, you know, wander off if they can't get through. They're like, eh, well, and then they're not really going to pay attention. So that's why we try to only do this, you know, occasionally, and as a way to try out different. You know, psychics and their abilities and people that we haven't utilized in, in this format before. Like, you know Tiffany very well. You've been hanging out with her for a while now. I do, and uh, she is one of the few psychics that I actually have faith in. And, see, see, I don't know anything about her. Well, I know about her, but I, I have not seen her uh, in action, so to speak. So this will be exciting for me because not only I, – I mean, I appreciate your recommendation, Matt Moniz. I, I take your word very well, but everybody in the paranormal field – has nothing but great things to say about Tiffany, not only as a psychic, but as a person in oh, general. She's a beautiful woman, both physically as well as internally. You know, She's very intelligent, although flighty sometimes, but she is definitely spot on with a lot of her uh, readings, and I've seen this firsthand. So. Well, we'll get into that in just a minute, but if you'd like to call in and speak with Tiffany during the course of the evening, the numbers are 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500. And, of course, you can call up and talk about anything to do with the paranormal. Speaking of which, uh, I know, Matt, you just came from, from something you were working on a little bit earlier. But uh, earlier this week, we had a chance to uh, investigate the Fearing Tavern in our hometown of Wareham, Massachusetts. Beautiful place. It really was. I mean, how many times I've... do you get a chance to go into a 1690 tavern? Yeah. And I've always, always wanted to be able to investigate that place. Now, we know that there's been, you know, reports of hauntings in the place for at least 200 years. I mm-hmm. mean, th- that that's a given. 
and now to have the opportunity to have the town give us the opportunity to go in there like they did. And they brought thermal imaging equipment too. <laughs> that was that was the best part. Yeah, it's really great when you uh, when you bring along like important people from within the town, and they call other important people from within the town, and the next thing you know, equipment you couldn't have dreamed of being able to use shows up. <laughs> So uh, it's when you have one guy pulling out, you know, million candle power flashlights, and another guy pulling out this, and so it uh, it, it really it was a really good investigation. I thought for being our first time getting in there. Of course, we'd first like, time for anybody as an investigator. True. In there. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's ever really had a chance to investigate this, and uh, I think we're going to be able to go back in the future with smaller groups and and get more out of it. And maybe we can work something out somewhere down the line where we can make it accessible to the public. Well, we ingratiated ourselves pretty well with the um, the town fathers and mm-hmm. mothers, I guess, as, as it would be. And they were happy with, with the respect that we showed the place and the professionalism of the other people that we brought with us. So it may open up for an opportunity for other groups to check it out. Yeah. Now, I don't want to give away too much because uh, we will be presenting our findings to the Wareham Historical Society on Monday, October 20th at 7 p.m., and that event is open to the public. They just asked there's a $2 donation to the Historical Society for attending. But we're going to kind of give them all the evidence that we've gathered, but we, we can just say we've already captured some stuff. Andy's already got some stuff on video, too. Does he? Yeah. All right, got to talk to you about that during <laughs> commercial break. But we also uh, we have some EVP that have already come out of there. Mike Markowitz was yep. there with his setup, and, and he was getting some stuff live as we were yep. conducting the investigations. So it's going to be some crazy stuff uh, when it all is said and done. I think that uh, once we bring this to the town and we show them, you know, hey, here's what we found, here's what's going on, and then they start letting us have access to some other locations and you know as long as we're able to get into the door and 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 show the historical society and the town of Wareham that you know paranormal investigators are respectful people that they they do things right that there's a science behind this uh, i think you're going to find or come to find that that Wareham's a pretty haunted place overall well it's what one of the oldest towns i mean we're one town over from plymouth hello mm-hmm. <laughs> so the town has a lot of history and uh, just uh, some interesting stuff, and, and you definitely want to stay tuned because uh, we are going to do a show uh, a little bit later on in the fall where we're going to bring in Mike Markowitz and some of the other investigators that were with us. And we'll talk about not only the things that we found in this particular investigation, but the idea of investigating colonial properties and how that differs. Because we had a long discussion, I think even after you left, where we talked about where you know the differences between colonial investigation and, and post-colonial. You know, once you... You talk to a lot of investigators who have gone back as far as the Civil War or, you know, the 1820s, the pioneer days of the different places. But this is the only area where you can really get into that, you know, colonial time. Well, actually, what we were investigating was pre-colonial, if you think about it. And and you don't really get that opportunity in many other parts of the country. So, you know, it's it's kind of a unique perspective on things. And it's, it's the oldest investigating you can really do here outside of, you know, Native American sites. So... But all that will be coming up in just a little bit. But uh, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk with Tiffany Johnson. And if you want to check out her website, it's readingsbytiffany.com. And uh, we'll, we will link that up to Spooky South Coast. The storm kind of gave us some Internet issues earlier. But we will link that up to SpookySouthCoast.com uh, sometime soon. Uh, why don't we take a break, Mac Oz? When we come back, we will talk with Tiffany, and we'll throw the phone lines open in a little while. 508-996-0500. 508-291-0500. And we have a new feature tonight on Spooky South Coast, if you can believe it. What's up? You can actually email us during the show. 
Well, we're going to try it. No promises. But if you'd like to get a hold of us via email, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. If you just send an email to that email address, hopefully we'll get it here in the studio. And if not, we'll definitely get back to you. So uh, we'll take a break when we come back more here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And now joining us on the line is Tiffany Johnson. At an early age, she shared an interest in the metaphysical realms. At 14, she began reading tarot cards for her friends and family. Continuing through junior high and high school and college, she read, honing her talents and developing others. Further into adulthood, a series of events brought her back to her new age spirituality and deeper studies of holistic healing, herbs, oil, stones, energy work, past life work, angels, Reiki, etc., Having personally worked and trained with well-known psychics and healers, she knows what an integral part of life and soul development readings can be. Now she continues her studies and assists other people with theirs. Uh, in tarot, Reiki, she's an ordained minister and a certified hypnotherapist specializing in past life regression therapies. And uh, she is joining us now on the phone, Tiffany Johnson. Good evening, Tiffany. How are you doing tonight? Hey, guys. I'm good. How are you? Oh, spooktacular, as we say. <laughs> spooktacular. You're so clever. Well, it's great to finally get you on the show. Ah, you're, it's great you're a busy to... woman. Well, you know, I do what I can. Flaky as I am, Mr. Matt Moniz. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> but I still love you, too. I know, and I love you, too, right back. But, I mean, he doesn't lie. Well... He drives us crazy sometimes, so you know, know it's it's only fair that somebody else drives him crazy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right, now, so you know, it says at an early age you you developed yeah. an interest in the metaphysical realms. How about did that happen? I mean, was it something that you just suddenly said, "Oh, I'd like to kind of research that and learn more about that," or did you realize, "Hmm, I might have something here"? You know, honestly, it wasn't. Even, it was just something that I was very innately drawn to. I remember reading books when I was about, you know, I would wander myself to, uh, to you know, the bookstore and walk into the New Age section, and I was reading books on Madame Blavatsky, Edgar Cayce, um, oh, God, you know, you name it. When I was, I mean, even as young as, like, 10 years old. So it really wasn't anything that... You know, I, I just I simply had an interest in it. Was it, it truly? I was just compelled to go there and, and to read about it and to learn about it. And so it wasn't that I had you know had a near death experience, which is like totally boring. I know, but it, it was just really part of who I was at a really really young age. And so I just I, I you know took in everything that I could get my hands on. Thank God my family didn't think I was a total freak. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of times well, that's what happens is people do have some sort of event that triggers this in them, yeah. that triggers this interest or triggers the ability. Uh, but I, I think there is a lot to be said for those who kind of just, like you said, come across it because they're drawn to it. Uh, that to me is just as much of a of an important way of getting about it than you know getting into a car crash and saying, oh, all of a sudden I could you know right. read the thoughts of the other people in the car type of right. thing. Right. Absolutely. There, there, for me, it just, like, you know, like I said, there was no really strong event, which makes for a really, really boring, boring autobiography, should I choose to write one. But, yeah, it just, it, it just made sense to me. It, I just, um, I, I just got it. And even now, you know, I, I understood I was reading about historical people. It, you know, whether, again, whether it be John Deere or whomever, I mean, I, I read about everybody. It just, 
you know, it just it made, it made sense. It made sense in my my little world as I was a child, and and you know, it just really took off from there. And and as you're reading about it and studying it, are you starting to uh, utilize what you're reading and try some of these type of things, or was exactly. it exactly? Yeah, exactly. What I did is is I you know eventually through the course of of really just reading because you know when you're 10 years old you're not going to go out and, and talk to your you know fourth grade peers about, <laughs> about psychism and spirituality and so yeah it just you know eventually i got my hands on a book about tarot and then of course got a deck of tarot which i still have and smells like patchouli to this day for all the oil that i used when i <laughs> thought i was going to be a hippie or something and uh yeah and and yeah, just really started um, learning the tarot. Not that I didn't, didn't have psychic experiences prior to that, but I think at that age it was just great to have something visual that I could kind of look at and use as a tool to really, um, you know, really work on my my abilities. See, that's I'm, I'm interested in the, in the people that have to actually work at it, that have to yeah. hone it and develop it, because to me that's – when you try to present that to a skeptic or to a non-believer, you know, you're going to say, hey, look, I actually taught myself how to do this. It's something sure. that people can learn, and, and I had to work hard at it, as opposed to somebody that, you know, just says, well, you know, one, one day I bumped my head, and all of a sudden I was psychic. <laughs> because nobody, like, wakes up all of a sudden one day and, and is a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. You know, it's something that comes over years, and people are interested in that story of how it came about. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, people ask me all the time, you know, Tiff, do you really believe that people can learn this? Absolutely. I mean, I don't fancy myself a natural musician, but I, you know, I took years of piano lessons and invested myself in doing that. And, you know, you know, right now, am I a great pianist? No. But, you know, back in the day when I was taking lessons, absolutely, I was, I was pretty darn good. And just like anything else, if you put practical application and, and learning, you know, put yourself to task and, and, and really make that time commitment, you can learn how to do anything. And, and you know, I, I know a dear friend who's an amazing artist, and he will be the first person to tell you that he is not naturally artistic. It was just something that he felt compelled to do. So, you know, it, really what it comes down to is, you know, we have psychic muscles like we have biceps. And, and so if you want to develop them, you know, for a bicep, you're going to, you know, lift weights for psychic development. You're going to learn and, and read and study and, and, you know, invest yourself in, in whatever you can get your hands on. Tiff, I think you have somewhat of a natural ability that you've started with from a childhood yeah. that you've honed to yeah. a very good skill. Thank you. Well, like I said, I, I am impressed with what I've seen you do in person. So. Well, thanks. Well, I, I think, you know, part of that, and this is kind of working backwards, but my, one of my very, very first memories as a child was I would wake up, and, and I was probably about three years old at the time, and I would be laying in bed, and it would be the middle of the night, and I would wake up for all the noise, and I would open my eyes because I heard all this chatter around me, and I would open my eyes and see all of these people standing around my bed, and I thought, okay, well, the room's dark, and so that's why they looked somewhat shadowy, you know, a little bit transparent. So I just thought it was simply the lighting of the room. And um, <laughs> and this this was where my ego comes into play. My mom, you know, always thought that I was just the prettiest girl and the funniest girl and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I was an only child up until about the age of nine. And so I thought that my parents were having a party. <laughs> and I was just so darn cute that they were bringing their guests to come see me. Well, come to, you know... So I'd wake up to all this noise, and I would listen to what they were saying, and the next morning I would, you know, 
stomp up, you know, to my mom or, you know, over breakfast or whatever it was, and I would, I would tell her, you know, why did you invite these people? I really wanted to sleep. I was tired. But then I would proceed to tell my mom what they had said to me and, you know, messages about, you know, her, you know, and her childhood that I had no idea of and, and people, you know, deceased relatives that I, you know, I didn't know. I didn't have an Uncle John, but she did, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so she was, you know, really for me, the mediumship aspect um, came to me very, very early on. And then I kind of, you know, took that to a different level with the tarot, with channeling, with everything else. That kind of came later. Is, is there a, a kind of a starting off point that you see in a lot of people that you try to teach these things to? Is there kind of a, a similar type experience for them when they're younger or do they kind of come into this at all different ages it's so varied i have worked with you know um i worked with kids you know as young as eight ten years old you know very very similar to when i kind of started doing readings and then i've worked with no joke i worked with people in their 80s and so i think that really it's you know partially it's interest partially it's a it's a a reckoning within yourself, you know, when you're okay to, to listen to that inner voice, to listen to, you know, that that part of us that's really innate with every person. So I, I don't, it, it completely varies as far as age groups. It's, it's you know, not only that, but, you know, career and occupation and, and you know, economic status, everything is a, is a variable. I don't, I don't think I could classify that there's like one person you know, or one even gender, frankly, that, that has a predominance more than another. i, I got to ask you, you know, a lot of, I don't want to say a lot of psychics, but a lot of people who <laughs> purport, right purport themselves to be psychics, yeah. you know, the or, or what I like to call the phone book psychics. Oh, my God, yeah, I love those people. Uh-huh. They, they basically utilize a practice that, that is called cold reading. Cold reading, sure. And for those who are uninitiated, what are some of the differences between what a true psychic might do and what a cold reader would do? How can somebody who is going out for a reading be able to tell the difference oh in God, what they're I'm actually so getting? I'm so excited that I get to be like the naughty psychic and, and, and do this. Okay, this is, this is what a cold reader does. And Tim, like, play along with me. Like, you have come to see me for a reading. And, and okay. I want to be really clear to your audience, this is not how I read, but it's, like, super fun to make fun of. Um, okay, Tim, <laughs> Tim, I'm... I'm feeling that there was a struggle in your past. Was there a struggle in your past? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing it was more than six months ago. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, my God. Really? And, you know, there's probably, there's a, a great deal of sadness around that, wasn't there? Yeah. It was, it was <laughs> my, my dad, we never really got along. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I was picking up on your dad. You know, your dad, you feel a sense of oh anger around your father he, he he didn't understand you at periods of time in your life no no <laughs> he went out for cigarettes he never came home <laughs> i'm sorry i spent like but that is what a cold reader does is what they do is they give you very ambiguous very broad things i, mean, I was talking to and you guys know him just Belanger, or however the heck he says his last name. He, he and I were joking. We, we like phone. to say uh, Bellinger, just because that's the yes, worst that's way to I pronounce it. it. And then he corrects me 100% yeah. of the time. And or so, just call him Balzano. He likes that, too. Oh, I'm totally going to do that. I just call him Saintologist, you know, for fun. <laughs> um, but, he, you know, he, oh, my God, he was making me cry the other day when we were on the phone, you know, just pretending to do the cold reading thing. But that's exactly what a cold reading is. Everybody has had a struggle in their past life. Everybody's been angry at somebody in their past, you know. 
everybody has been disappointed. And so what they do is they give you these very vague situations and then draw out information just like you did, Tim, you know, where you gave something about your dad. And I, they, I just want to make it clear, too. I love my dad. He, yeah. he doesn't smoke. None of that stuff happened. <laughs> Oh, my God, that's so going on the Internet tomorrow. Um, but, <laughs> but, yeah, that's exactly what a cold reading is. Now, um, conversely, you know, what I do is I'll say, okay, what do you want me to tune into? And the person will say, career. And that's all that they really have to say. And I might say, okay, are you asking, you know, just, and not, for, not to lead me. What I will do is I'll say, you know, are you, um, oh, God, what would be an, more to understand context. I don't want to be led. Um, a career, I'll say, okay, are you focused? Are, you want me to look at your career financially, or do you want me to look at it as promotion? And that's all I need to know. And that's not leading. That's not, you know, giving any emotional indicators. It's not giving any, you know, stories. That, that would be what a true, in my estimation, what a true psychic does. Another example is if you go to a medium, which I also do the medium stuff. When somebody wants me to connect with somebody that is passed on the other side, um, you know, all I want is a name, a first name, and the relationship to the person. Um, and the, the reason that I really ask the relationship to the person is for this, because sometimes people want to find out gossip about a random coworker or something, and I don't think that that's really ethical. So that's why I ask the relationship. Uh, there must be a lot of uh, requests for kind of unethical things. <laughs> in that field, I mean, uh, how hard is it to, to determine when you want to tell somebody something or, or when you, you really think that it's better that you don't share the information that you mm, receive? I question. think that you always share the information. You just do it in the most gentle, gracious, kind way that you can. Um, sometimes people do need to be kind of slapped verbally, of course, upside the head with a two-by-four, <laughs> And, but the thing of it is, you can always be very kind about, you know, the information that you receive. And, you know, for instance, and this is, a, you know, this is somebody, you know, a gal, and I'm just making this up, but this is, a, you know, an example. If a gal calls me and she wants to know about her spouse or her significant other or whatever it is, and I tune in and I find out that she is, you know, just very passive-aggressive if, you know, there's that, you know, maybe there's some abuse going on. That's tough stuff to, to put up in front of a person, but there's ways to do that where you're not just being so critical and harsh. Mm-hmm. So that's what you do. Well, let's just say, for example, I mean, I'm not sure if this is something that, that would even happen. Um, uh-huh. But just say, you know, somebody is doing a reading with you and they say, yeah, I don't know what's wrong. I just... I feel so run down all the yeah. time. And, and then, you know, however you receive the information, the, the information comes to you, you know, they have cancer. Oh, okay. But great. they haven't been to a doctor or anything. So how do you say to them, you know, I've, I'm being told that you have cancer, you need to go to a doctor. I mean, how do you put that without kind of crossing a line there of almost giving them information that uh, right. technically you're not really qualified to tell them that except to tell them that that's just the information you've received? And that's Exactly. You know what? Honest to God, in 20-some years of doing readings, I've never heard from anybody's guides, you have cancer. Ever. Um, because I'm not a doctor. I don't diagnose. Mm-hmm. I don't, I would never go there. Now, if somebody says, can you look at my lungs, I can say, all right, you know, here's what I'm seeing. And I, you know, and, and I, my, my clients would probably joke <laughs> and say, oh my God, we've heard 
Tiffany gives that little P.S. I'm not a doctor. I don't diagnose. Go see your, you know, family practitioner, blah, blah, blah. 8,000 times. I'm very careful about, you know, saying that because, A, I don't want to get sued, and, B, I'm not a medical professional. I'm an idiot when it comes to pretty much everything else but being a really good psychic. And so, and I'm okay with that. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I make that very, very clear. So, um, you know, the things that, I, that I've pretty readily learned, um, you know, I, I, I would never say somebody has diabetes, but what comes through to me is, you know, I might see some circulatory issues. I might see some, you know, they might show me a lot of sugar and kind of like a roller coaster, you know, type of a thing. So I, I kind of can piece it together, but I would never say to somebody, you have diabetes. I could say, you know what, I'm, I'm picking up this, this, and this, and this. And to me, that kind of sounds like, you know, it might be something that you want to get checked out by a doctor. Well, yeah, that's that's the perfect way to do it, I think, because, you know, you're, you're leading them in the right direction that you should lead them into mm-hmm. without kind of giving them something that, you know, can come back in your in your face later on. I mean, basically, it's, you know, it's psychic malpractice, I guess. Well, know? it is. And it, yeah. And, I mean, there there is a liability to it. And, not, I mean, you know, ethically, there's a liability to it, you know, morally. Um, but, yeah, I mean, God bless, you know, <laughs> doctors. They've, they've gone to school a really long time. And I don't think that they need to be told how to do their job. They they can make the diagnosis. I can look at and see what I'm picking up. You know, I mean, there's you know, if something was funky in the back, I can see like if if a if um oh god, you know, a part of the spine is kind of like <laughs> bajiggity. <laughs> My favorite word. If it's kind of out of place, you know, if if you know the C4 is you know off to the one center, I can kind of look at that and say, okay, it looks like you know, a piece of your spine, you know, like you might need an adjustment, but there might be something else going on there. I can see, you know, a lot of, you know, muscle issues, you know, that kind of stuff. But rarely, I mean, honest to God, I, I've never told anybody that they've had cancer. And kind of on that same vein, um, I, I jokingly say I don't do the Ds. I don't do death either because, frankly, I think that that's between, I mean, first of all, death can be prolonged due to medical technology. Mm-hmm. It can be prolonged towards our attitude and changing our health. Um you know what you know just what we put into our body and how we regulate our body and and beyond that too that's that's between you and and god that has nothing to do with me i don't do divorce because i see a lot of people every stinking day that say you know stay in really crappy relationships and until they decide because that's a free will issue if they want to get a relationship i can say you know divorce looks like it's you know it's the best it's the best you know opportunity for you but i would never mm-hmm. say you know you go get a divorce and I don't do disease, and that you know that ties in with exactly what kind of started this whole conversation. Is I would never say you have cancer. I would never say you have Crohn's disease. I would never say you have diabetes. I think that that's just that'd be really irresponsible of me. Well, one thing that you you bring up something interesting with the divorce point. Uh, one one thing that kind of turned me off. Well, I mean, there's a number of factors that turned me off to Sylvia Brown a long time ago. <laughs> but really, I can't imagine. <laughs> one of the ones that really got me was. Uh, one of her last appearances on Montel before he uh, packed up his bags there was... Um, Is he done now? Yeah, the show got canceled. No way. Yeah, basically uh, it got canceled because he kind of went on uh, Fox News and went on a, a big tirade about the uh, presidential candidates. and really? And so they decided not to renew his deal. But, so wow, now, uh, that tells you what an idiot I am. I have no clue. Well, now Sylvia's a fraud without a home. But anyway, she... Um, <laughs> 
How do you really feel, Tim? Come on. Oh, uh, she's been invited numerous times on the show to come and debate it, and and no response. So, <laughs> the gauntlet has been dropped, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, I'm going to have to give my my Celia Brown Brown rebuttal though, just just to do a counterpoint for you for in one second. But don't okay. get me wrong, I I think that she's. She's uh, interesting, but go ahead. Well, and she's basically doing a, a you know, the, she's got the gallery there, and, yeah. and she's taking questions from the audience, and yeah, she so, me. some lady says, you know, I'm getting married to this guy, and you know, this <laughs> and that, and I just want to know, you know, how, how are things going to work out for us yeah. down the line? And she comes on with her, you don't want to marry this guy, he's the worst guy for you, you know, this isn't going to work out, and she basically like lays this all out, and the lady's like, okay, I'll, I'll call him when the show's over and, and call it off. <laughs> She could have just ruined this entire girl's life because you just made something up on a whim. Mm-hmm. And she made it up. Don't tell me she didn't make it up. Okay, I'm not going to make that a counterpoint. <laughs> <laughs> That's not at all where I was going to go. Yeah, Sylvia Brown drives me crazy. Don't get me wrong. But this is what I always have to say. And don't get me wrong. I want to be really clear. She makes me giggle like nobody's business because she's just she's great fodder for conversation. But I will say this about Sylvia Brown, and I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. If Sylvia Brown didn't start doing the work that she did way back in the day, you know, decades ago, I couldn't do my job or the word psychic wouldn't be as well understood if it weren't for Sylvia Brown and people like Madame Blavatsky and Edgar Casey, And, you know, craptacular as they may be, <laughs> they, still, they still set a precedent. Not necessarily a good one all the time, but they still set a precedent. So I have to give her some props. Okay. Is that, is that fair? Well, I Even do believe I that... that nuts and she totally needs to like trim down those goddamn fingernails well that too yeah but uh, i'm i'm pretty pretty convinced that she she does have some abilities and that it's kind of it gets to the point where you know you you constantly got to start performing yeah once you start putting yourself out there and you're doing all these entertainment entities and it yeah. makes it harder to stay you know just a psychic and now you have to be, you know, the performing psychic. Now it Absolutely. has to be every time they bring you on, you have to make a connection. I mean, we, we have Rick Hayes on the show uh, a couple of times a year, and he always says right out at the beginning of the show, listen, I might not make a connection every time somebody calls with a with a deceased loved one. Absolutely. And, but yet he does every time, you know, and, and to me it doesn't feel forced when he does it. And with Sylvia, I think sometimes when they ask her these things, it's it's very forced. There's no way even the best psychic in the world can be hitting on something every single time they talk oh, to somebody. thank God for that you say that. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, the bottom line is, no. No psychic should ever hit in things 100% of the time. First of all, it kills me when psychics say that because they're low to BS because that means that they took every, you know, every reading. They have surveyed every person that they've ever done a reading with, and they not only surveyed every person but every point that they addressed in that reading to say that they're 100% accurate. It's a load of crap. Mm-hmm. Beyond that... You know, we have free will, and there is nothing more in the world that I want to do than give people information that makes, you know, that that gives them, that, you know, makes them empowered and gives them their own accountability over their life so they can make a change if they want to. I mean, so many people come to me for a reading to really only do that. And so, yeah, I might tune into something, but they hear that and go, okay, that's not the way I want it to turn out. I'm taking a left turn here. And all of a sudden, their life switches, and and that's awesome. And so, yeah, that that whole you know accuracy thing is is really kind of a moot point with me. I got a question. Have you ever had to censor yourself? <laughs> I censor myself not to curse in readings, or I try to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant with the information that you're receiving. Mm, have I ever had to censor myself? 
No. Not not with the information that I'm receiving. I might have to censor myself in my personal opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing too. Is like a lot of a lot of psychics. uh, You know, when they're getting this information, they have to realize you you have to keep your personal opinions and uh, analysis and bias out of it. That's why I asked the question. Yeah, Yeah, I've I've had to. You know, and this is what I do. And if I really feel extremely compelled to. Speak my own personal whatever. I I will I will say that in the reading. I'll say okay, really quick. This is not coming from psychic tip. This is coming from your friend Tiffany. <laughs> and you know, and, and I'll jump in. You know, and I, does that make sense? Because I can. You know, I'm really fortunate um, that I can really you know shift back and forth from m- my personal belief and my logical mind, which is very minor, to my psychic stuff that I get. And um, so yeah, I've I've had to censor my. You know. My mom brought up a, a great story. I, we, we just had dinner with a bunch of family members this evening, and, and my aunt asked me, you know, she said, what's your, what's your best story? And, and I said, you know, this gal came to me. She uh, was going through a breakup with her boyfriend, and she found out that he was cheating on her. And she found out who she, he was cheating with, and she went to the, the other woman's house where he was. He, the, the boyfriend saw the girlfriend pull up. He ran upstairs into the attic. As my client was confronting the other woman, he, this is no joke, he fell through the ceiling of the attic. Hmm. No joke. He came to me two weeks later asking me, you know, should I give him another chance? That was a time where I had to completely censor my personal feelings and go, are you flipping crazy woman? You know, so, I mean, that, that's, that's Jerry Springer kind of stuff. So I had to censor myself personally, but not psychically. Well, let me let me turn the tables a little bit here on, on Matt as being somebody who um, is very skeptical of of most psychics, and yeah. when he it's it's very rare that he finds one that he would uh, <laughs> he would let even give him a reading. But Matt, it, being somebody from that perspective, what kind of things would you ask a psychic for in a reading? What would you want to know, and what would you try to stay away from from your point of view? Ah, good question. Generally, when I I interview psychics. The first thing I like to do is let them give me a reading without giving them any information. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that to me will determine whether they have some sort of natural ability. Now, if they don't know me or know who I am or anything like that, I'll see if they start with the general things like if they're a cold reader. Mm-hmm. A, per- a person that can come out with specific details without having me, you know, forward them any type of information. Mm-hmm generally is a good indicator to me. And I watched that happen with Tiffany with several individuals through the course of watching her give readings. And she was able to do that right out the gate. So that, to me, got my attention. And uh, like I said, I have deep respect for for your gift, Tiffany. Thank you, sweetie. You've honed it well. Well, thank you. And Matt has, um, it's a rarity for me to do, uh, Matt saw me actually, and this is not anything that I, I do on any regular basis, and Matt saw what happens to me when I do it, but Matt was, um, we were asked, Matt and I and a couple other people were asked to sit in on a seance where I did some trans, trans work, and um, that was amazing. Matt, I don't know, I, I still think about that and go, holy crap, that was freaking cool. That was um, an interesting night. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, um, but it's exactly what you're saying about, you know, where you can... I hate to use this term, but where you can back up what comes out of your mouth. And and Matt and I were working on 
or in a situation, you know, in an old town, and, and it's a long, long story, and Matt, fill in, fill in if you want to, but um, we were able to, I think, Matt, didn't you find some old city records or yeah. something, and we were able to, to kind of correlate what had come through in the trans in the trans session? Both myself as well as Constantinos, and I believe... Um, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, uh, also... Amy Bruni. Amy Bruni, and... Um, Trying to think of who else was in the room. Uh, I I don't know if we can mention her being there. Who? Well, Chris. Oh yeah, I don't know if we can mention her. Be- That's right. I totally forgot because I was out when she came in. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but she was there, and she was at, she was able to help validate stuff afterwards too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Absolutely. the the whole thing that's what got me is she was able to come out with all of these information and several of us pulled out each verifying piece on our own mm-hmm. right to validate what she what she had come out with and that's that's what made me sit up and you know take take attention to what she was saying yeah and well, Matt thank you you were like the only person that went wow that was really tough on you wasn't it you were the only person that uh, was like so thoughtful thank I, you. Not a problem. Well, I noticed well, that you were really struggling with what was going on. But that's also, sick. he can tell the difference between when somebody's putting on a, a show. I mean, I'm just going to guess that 75% of these trans mediums, if you look back into their high school yearbooks, they were all in the drama club. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and so I think he can kind of pick that bull crap out right away, and so he realizes when somebody's. Right. Well, Absolutely. Ma- mainly and I am drama club free. Let me just put that right out there. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with drama club. No, I'm just saying. there's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely I not, was in it. I'm just saying. I was, I was more like the girl around the corner smoking cigarettes, you know? That, no wonder you and Mac get along so well. He was the boy. He was the 25-year-old guy buying them for the high school. <laughs> <laughs> Driving a school bus. I know. How do you think we met? No, I'm <laughs> oh, that was perfect. All right. Well, we are coming up on the news in a few minutes here. And then uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll do the Week in Weird. And then after that, Tiffany, we'd like to open up the phone lines and have you talk to some of the, the listeners, if that works for you. I'd love to. Can I ask, can I make a request, though? Yes, absolutely. That if they're going to, you know, call up, just don't say, what's my future? Okay. Because <laughs> there's a lot of that. And just have a specific question that's not leading. And, I, you know, I don't want to take away from the other psychic that you have on, so let's not do any mediumship because that usually takes a long time. Yeah, and that's something, too, where if, you know, I can just imagine if you start opening yourself up to that, you're going to just get inundated with people from the other side saying, and hey, what about you know, me? And that's often what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, now, what, how do you see these these things that come to you? I mean, is it is it an image in your mind? Is it just a feeling that you get? Or do you have, like, a clear picture you know, mentally? Yeah, it, it kind of all... Yes. <laughs> it really all depends, and everybody is different. I mean, sometimes when somebody asks me a question, I just I hear an answer, and it just pops into my head like you know, you know, my own little monologue. Other times, it is a visual. It it really all depends, and um, I'll let the person know. I'll say, oh, I'm hearing or I'm seeing, whatever, and uh, so it it really just. It usually, I'm very fortunate. I don't fancy myself very clairsentient, which means empathic. So it's not so much a feeling, usually with me. And I, again, I, I think that I'm very fortunate that way because I think that's very hard to discern. Um, but so for me, it's more clairvoyance, clairaudience. See, I know, and I hear people differentiate, and they say I'm clairvoyant, I'm clairaudient. I, I think that essentially. 
people can be all of them, but it's just it's the same way Absolutely. as if you're a, you're a visual learner, you're yep. an auditory learner. It's how you perceive the information and how it most works for you. Absolutely, dead on. All right. Well, uh, we will take a break, and then when we come back, we will do the week in weird, and uh, we will talk about some interesting things that are going on. Uh, especially, I, I got one that's that's pretty interesting. It's we can do a whole show on this someday about calls from the other side, and uh, we can get Tiffany's I've perspective on this as well. I saw well, that article; it's super hold, cool. Hold on to that, then, Matt, because uh, we will talk about that when we come back in the other side, and uh, we can also talk to you. Maybe you've had one as well. Uh, and then we will talk more with Tiffany about the just the psychic abilities and, and how you can hone them yourself, as well as take your calls. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. If you want to hop on the phone lines now, you can also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. We'll be right back with more in just a few minutes after the news here on Spooky South Coast. You asked for it, you got it. And this is Spooky South Coast, Volume 2. I'm not afraid. South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. Just want to remind everybody once again, Wareham Historical Society, Monday, October 20th at 7 p.m. We will present our findings of the Fearing Tavern investigation. Uh, $2 donation to the Historical Society to attend, unless you're a member of the society, in which case it's free. You know, they're going to have a pie-eating contest. Before the uh, before the actual presentation that we're doing, and not a pie eating contest, a pie contest. And uh, I was at work today, at my day job, and, and Carolyn from the historical society came in, and she said, "Listen, I need to ask you a favor." And I said, "Well, sure." You know, she said, uh, "That night we're having a, a pie a pie contest, and, and we were wondering if you wouldn't mind being one of the judges." And I was like, "Oh man, I don't know, eating pie and crotone." Just not really my thing, you know. And I was like, "Yeah, all right, fine." Twist my arm. <laughs> so, but there will be plenty of pie for these spooky people to enjoy, huh? What about punch? Yeah, we'll have that too. I hope no bad people show up. Right, <laughs> soda and pie. Hope no bad people show up. But uh, we will definitely be there to present our findings of the Fearing Tavern investigation. Then also Friday, October twenty fourth, we will we will be at the Borders in Wareham, uh, giving a presentation as well. That's also slated for seven thirty. We'll uh, talk about the paranormal in general. We'll give kind of a, a, a night, an overview of the hauntings of this area. And, of course, we'll answer any questions and we'll look at any of your evidence or, or hear any of your reports. Sometimes people even even don't feel comfortable calling into the show or emailing us. Uh, so if you want to come up to us and, and tell us in person, we'll be there and we can help try and get you in the right direction if you need any kind of help. So Because that's what we do here. We try to help people. And then we laugh at them. Ha ha! No, we don't do that. And uh, what else? There was one other thing I was going to mention too. 
that's coming up that I should probably have remembered. Got me. Well, well, whatever. But if you would like to book us for any kind of event, then uh, give us an email, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, and uh, we'll try and work it into the schedule. We'll try and come out and enlighten you a little bit into what we've learned about the paranormal and kind of give you uh, an overview. Uh, or, you know, it could be case-specific. You know, maybe, you know, you live in, say, Fairhaven, and your group wants us to come and talk about, you know, Fairhaven hauntings, and we can do that because we know the people who have done the research, and we can find it out, and we can deliver it all to you. Balzano. Oh, yeah, he's doing a book signing. Yes. On uh, October 11th at Baker Books. And then uh, he, he's got a whole weekend plan for a guy who didn't know what he was going to do when he was coming up here. <laughs> Investigations. He's got a whole day out in the uh, Bridgewater Triangle where he's going to be sharing stories from the Triangle. We're, we're going to have him on to promote all that stuff coming up soon. And then he'll actually be here that night. See, that was my psychic gift going into yeah, your mind you to pull out that missing usually, piece. Usually my mind is pretty close to that kind of stuff. So good thing you remembered. And... Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, if you just want to get a hold of us for anything at all in general, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com is, is the way to do that. We're actually working on getting some of the podcasts up. We finally got up the August 2nd podcast, so we're only about almost two months behind now. But I'm going to get them all caught up, I swear, and uh, mainly, <laughs> mainly, mainly because it's eating the crap out of my hard drive on my computer. I'm down from like 50 gig to like 2 gig. Uh, and that's filled up with a lot of uh, shows just sitting there. Because those are huge files. But our thanks to our friend Craig, who runs the web- website, southernsportsweek.com, who has been kind of taking some of our shows and, and making streamlined files of them and uploading them when we failed to do so. So they are out there if you'd like to get a hold of them. And, uh, but we, we will get them caught up on our site and our podcast feed as well. And. I don't know, folks. What do you think? Let us know. Do you, These big files that we've been putting up here over the last two and a half years, are they too large for you? Uh, do you want smaller versions of the files? Are you willing to sacrifice some audio quality uh, in order to get a, a faster download or a smaller download? Let us know. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Let us know what you like about the podcast, what you don't like. Obviously, I know you don't like how slow we've been updating them. <laughs> But just besides that, just give us an idea, and we'll see where we can go going forward. Because I'm, I'm all for making smaller files, but I just think we'll have to keep high-quality copies for ourselves for rebroadcast and the like. Or keep them on our site. Absolutely, yeah. We can just post those up, and, and we can make the smaller ones available for download. Ah, that being said, anything else? Is there anything else I need to talk about? I don't think no. so. A little bit later on, we'll have a little tribute to Paul Newman, who passed away today. The age of eighty-three. So, we'll get to drink some salad dressing. Maybe that's a good idea. No, he has Thinking. lemonade. Oh yeah. All right. So now, how do we segue from Paul and Newman popcorn. dying into the weekend weird? We do it like this. Oh, bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today. What's so wonderful? Weird stuff. The Week in Weird. All right, well, because I know that there's going to be some discussion following my story, uh, I think what I'll do is I'll throw it over to Matt Costa, and he can start us off with The Week in Weird. Okay. Stephen Hawking, the best-selling author of A Brief History in Time and the children's book George's Secret to the Universe, Secret Key to the Universe, written along with his daughter Lucy, will be sending his digital... 
digitalized DNA into space as part of NCSoft Operation Immor- Immortality. Lucy, so- Lucy Hawking is also participating in the project. Together, the father and daughter are hoping to <coughs> hoping the project will raise awareness of the Archon X Prize for geno- yeah. genomics. Genomic. Genomics. Genomics. Like genetic. Yeah. Economy. A competition that will award $10 million, $10 million to the first person or, te- or team who can sequence 100 human genomes within 10 days or less. Operation Immortality is a project intended to collect and archive the very best of what humanity has accomplished by sending a digital time capsule of the human race, including messages from people around the world and DNA samples from the from some of the brightest minds, musicians, athletes, and video game players. Hawking's DNA will be transported into space by celebrated video game developer and longtime member of the XPRIZE Foundation Board of Trustees, Richard Garrett, who is traveling to the International Space Station in October. Garrett will take Hawking's digitalized DNA as well as an electronic copy of George's secret key to the universe on a storage device called Immortality Drive where it will be placed on the International Space Station. The Immortality Drive is currently in the process of being loaded with information for people all over all over the world at the OperationImmortality.com website. Mankind is encouraged to submit their su- suggestions for our humanity's greatest achievements and leave their immortalized image immortalized message for future generations. A select few may also have their DNA chosen to join Garrett Hawking and other icons on this outer world experience and possibly become the future of mankind. Hmm. So. You know, we've talked about having Stephen Hawking on the show. Yeah. But since he's way too big to come onto our show, we, <laughs> we basically talked about making a computerized voice pretending to be Stephen Hawking. And now that I know that he's participating in such a huge and important experiment, I feel like we were belittling Dr. <laughs> Hawking by doing that. Like we weren't already before. Yeah. Should put episodes of the sh- of Spooky South Coast. On we should. Website. We we can give Send them. We, space. we can give it to them. We can. Yeah. I mean, it's free to download. Yeah. I'll even I'll I'd even purchase an MP3 player to put it on that in case you know, future generations or whatever don't have iPods, like they would. They'd be like, what's an MP3? Yeah. Like. MP3. I got I got asked They'll that be question. Like MP12s. I then. got asked that question. Yeah. I got asked what an MP3 is. Really? Yeah, by Biffy. Oh. Had no idea. <laughs> All right, Mac Moniz, what do you have for us? Sometimes I get my maths confused. <laughs> get something from the AP. Two British archaeologists declared Monday that they have uncovered the core reason behind the construction of one of the world's best known and least understood landmarks. The stone circles at Stonehenge has stood for thousands of years and bred endless debate over whether it is, was a temple for ancient sun worshippers or a sacred burial site or even a kind of massive prehistoric astronom- astronomical calculator. It, recent, it was recently dated back to 2300 B.C. Professor Jeff, Joffrey Wainwright and Timothy Darville argued their own explanations for the mysterious monument. Stonehenge, they said, was a kind of a primeval lords, drawing prehistoric pilgrims from around Europe. We found several reasons to believe that the stones were built as part of a belief in healing process, 
Wainwright told journalists assembled at London's Society of Antiquaries. Wainwright and Darville, the first to excavate the site in more than 40 years, said the key to the theory was Stonehenge's double circle of blue stones, a rare rock known to geologists as spotted dolomite, which lie at the center of the monument. Dragged or floated on rafts from Pembrokeshire and Wales to the Salisbury Plain in southern England, he said the blue stones were prized for their healing properties, as evidenced by small mountains of flakes the scientists uncovered during their dig. Pieces ended up buried in tombs across the area, testament to the people's fascination with the rock, Wainwright said. The proof was not only in the stones, but also in the bones. Skeletons recovered from the area showed signs of serious disease or injury. The evidence, they said, pointed to the kind of shrine where people from across Europe would go to seek healing. But they cautioned that that did not rule out the alternative theories for Stonehenge's uses. It could just have been a temple. Even Even it was a healing center, Darville said, just like Lord's for example, is still a religious center. Now, personally, I think it could be all of the above. Sure. Why could it not be an astronomical calendar? could also be a temple of source and a healing center. I mean, multi. you got to remember, back then, multi-purpose things were... They felt that if something did this, it would also do that. Right, yeah. I just want to make sure you did say dolomite earlier in the story. That is correct. Dolomite is a form of rock, yes. All right. Dolomite. Yeah, baby. All right, Meister. <laughs> you never saw Dolomite? No. no. It's a black exploitation film of the 70s. Dolomite. <laughs> All right, KTLA News reports this story. One local family whose loved one died. This comes from Simi Valley in California. One local family whose loved one died in a train collision is still questioning something that happened that night. They got several phone calls from 49 year old Chuck Peck after the crash. But they now know he died on impact. Peck's fiance Andrea Katz, told KTLA that the first call was to his son in Utah. And he just said, my dad just called me, and I said, what did he say? Is he okay? Where is he? He didn't say anything. The phone rang, and it said, dad, Peck's fiance told KTLA. As firefighters worked to rescue survivors, family members said Peck's cell phone kept calling his son, his brother, his stepmother, his sister, and his fiance. But when they answered, all they heard was static. And when family members called back, the calls went straight to voicemail. And all family members say they received about 35 calls from Peck's cell phone through the night. Nearly five hours after the crash, at 9.08 p.m., Katz received a call. She said, we were yelling into the phone, hang in there, baby, we're going to get you out, you're going to be okay, she said. When the rescue efforts turned to recovery, there was another call, which prompted search crews to trace it. They realized it was coming from the first train, so they went back in one last time. And they were so, according to Katz, they were so excited that they had this incredible adrenaline rush at the thought that they could possibly go find another survivor. We gave her a description, and they spent the next couple of hours looking for him, and they did end up finding him, but they said that he had died immediately on impact, and there was no way he could have been calling us, Katz said. The call stopped at 3.28 a.m., about an hour before Peck's body was found. Katz said the phone calls helped the family get through the night. The intellectual side of my brain thinks, gee, it was computer malfunction, and then the emotional side of my brain says, it was just Chuck letting us know that he knew that we were scared for him and was letting us have hope. Kat said she also finds comfort in knowing she and Peck were happy and that he didn't suffer in the end. 
He died instantly and he didn't suffer, and when you love somebody, you couldn't ask for a better way for them to leave this life, just happy and excited and didn't see it coming. Investigators said they may never know how these calls were made because Peck's phone was never found. They also say his body showed no sign that he lived for even a short time after the crash. So we were talking about this a little bit uh, before the the news break, Matt Moniz, but this is something that is quite often reported, not just in cases like this, but in in just deaths in general. Correct. I had this personally happen to me. Is it something that you want to share or not? If you want me to, yeah, I can. Uh, My mother died in 2001 of... uh, a very rapid cancer. She was diagnosed on like August 15th and she died September 3rd. Uh, that, is, that is extremely rapid. Uh, and the day that she died, I had just came back from the hospital. I had a couple of witnesses standing right there on my porch. I was telling them, you know, my mother had just passed. My phone rang and it was like an unknown number type of thing. And that usually didn't happen on my type of phone that I had. I answered it, and I heard a woman's voice said, Hi, Mac. I'm okay. And that was it. And my mother used to call me Mac hmm. as a little, you know. And my friends that were standing there looking at me, I was like, obviously all the blood draining from me. And it was like very unusual to have a phone call like that happen. I've been aware that these things did happen to other people, hmm. you know, from doing research. But to actually have it happen to you. It, you know, it, it well, it'll make your hair stand up. Uh, and our friend Brad Steiger, he's written whole books about this, and uh, because it is a very prominent thing that happens. Why don't we try and bring Tiffany back into the discussion there? If she's with us. Are you still with us, Tiffany? Of course, I'm here. Great, and I'm sure you've heard many of these reports of of cases where there's been phone calls from loved ones who have passed on, either just you know a ringing phone and their number showing yeah. up, or in cases cases like his Matt's where you know the person actually spoke. Absolutely. You know, I've heard case after case of it. And, and, you know, I mean, I don't think really, um, I think it's definitely more impactful if a phone were to ring because it's just such a tangible thing and and something. But, you know, really, is there any difference between, you know, I know a lot of people that have, um, you know, their their loved one has passed and, um, you know, they'll be 2,000 miles away and they'll hear you know, the, the loved one's voice, you know, saying, I'm okay, or calling their name, or, you know, anything. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that, that it happens all the time. And, heck, did they do a whole Supernatural, one of their episodes on <laughs> dead people calling? Of course, it turned out to be a demon, but that's a whole other story altogether. But, you know, if it makes it that far, I think that, that speaks to, if the media, if it's gotten media attention in a fictitious way, then then I think it's, it's something that really needs to be more investigated. And, and with cell phones where people are readily accessible all the time, right. you know, there's more of a chance of it happening because, you know, before when we had the home phone, you know, who knows? The phone could have been ringing for hours with this person trying to contact you and you just right. weren't home to get the, you know, to take the call. But now with cell phones, you can be reached all the time and, and vice versa. People always have phones with them. So Well, yeah. Can you imagine when it happened, you know, back in the 50s and parties, you know, party lines? I mean, my Passover loved one would be like, you know, ringing the phone and somebody else would answer and be like, oh, crap. I got the wrong person. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I, I think that it's a really, you know, like I said, a very tangible way that you know the, the other side can contact us. I, I really do believe too that you know they they utilize technology to do exactly that. You know, and in the same way that they flash lights um, or you know cut lights out or turn a TV on, why not? Why not? You know, do something with a cell phone. Why not? 
and it's, it's pretty easy technology to manipulate. I mean, you can do it with a you know a basic Radio Shack set up in your basement. You can make somebody's cell phone ring. Absolutely. So I'm sure you can do it from the other side as well. All right, well, why don't we take a break, uh, and then when we come back, we can open the phone lines up for listeners, 508-996-0500, if you would like to talk with Psychic Tiffany, Tiffany Johnson. If you want to find out more about the services she offers or if you want to get a hold of her for a private reading, you can go to the website readingsbytiffany.com. Tiffany, what's the phone number for, for readings? Absolutely. It is 612-272-2561. There you go. So give her a call and book a reading if you don't feel comfortable doing it here on the show. And plus, I'm sure, you know, if somebody gives you some information or you, you pick up something that you is not really fit for broadcast, you're going to want to hold on to that and talk to them in <laughs> private. So. I'm, I hopefully have that, that kind of censoring happen. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, the FCC hopes so as well. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. It blew books off shelves from 20 feet away and scared the socks off some poor librarian. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. This looks extraordinarily bad. (laughs) Hey, I just thought of the one thing I wanted to tell everybody. And that's that next Saturday night, Spooky South Coast will be here on the air at its regular time. Even though the Red Sox made the playoffs... Uh, from the schedule that I've seen, there's no game planned in either series for Saturday. So we should be able to come on right at our regular time here at 10 p.m. But uh, just stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com throughout October because uh, the playoffs will kind of shift our start times around a little bit. Our plan is to, if there's an 8 o'clock game, try and go on from like 6 to 7.30 beforehand. Give you a little bit of a prime time taste of Spooky South Coast. But if things... Uh, you know, don't work out. We know now that we can kind of do like what they're doing with the high school football here on WBSM, which is uh, go online at WBSM.com and SpookySouthCoast.com and uh, just go in that route directly. Hey, you know what I just thought of, Matt Costa? What's up? Just thought of something really crazy. If people go to SpookySouthCoast.com and they click on the live feed any other time when we're not on the air, they're going to get like high school football and stuff like that. Yeah. We never even thought about that. Well, I didn't anyway. Yeah. Hey, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Coming right here from WBSM. All right, well, we are talking with Tiffany Johnson, Psychic Tiffany, as she's known, and you can check out our website, readingsbytiffany.com, if you'd like to book a private reading. But here on the show tonight, she is going to take some phone calls. So if you'd like to call in and speak with her, give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. If you want to stay a little bit more anonymous, you can email us, crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we'll try and read the question over there and pose it to Tiffany. I'm sure, Tiffany, though, that, that doesn't really work too well because it's, it's, it's probably a lot harder to make a connection if somebody's, like, just emailing you questions. You know, with, with mediumship stuff, it, it, it's passive. You know, regular readings, though, I do email readings all the time. Really? And so, yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately it's just energy, right? And so, sure. you know, energy is energy, and so it, it really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. But, yeah, when I do email readings, I don't do mediumship ones. Simply because, um, and this is really silly and kind of selfish, but um, when I do a mediumship reading, I like to know when I'm connecting, you know, with that person on the other side that the person that I'm connecting for is understanding, you know, what's coming through. And you know, with email readings, I'm not getting that instant. Okay, yep, I understand. Because frankly, if I'm not, if they don't understand, 
I'm not doing my job well enough. And so I need to have that, that, that you know, immediate, okay, that, that's right, I, I know what they're talking about type thing. Sure, exactly. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Okay. And and it seems, too, like, uh, you know, as we become more into the digital age and, and uh, we talk about it all the time off the air, and I'm sure we'll do a show on it someday, though, about how, you know, people just don't talk to each other anymore and people don't communicate with each other. Everybody wants to do things digitally. And oh, my God, I know. Me, I can, too. I can just picture that there are, you know, a number of these psychics who are online all the time, and they've got one IM window open over here and one IM window open over here, and they're getting stuff on their phone and everything. And yeah. they've got people hitting them from every which direction, and it, it it probably makes it a lot harder to to really create that focus that you can when you've got one person on the phone and that's right. it. Uh, that's exactly it, and you know, and that's why I don't do because people have asked me to do IM readings, and I just, I've just said no. You know, I'll do the email thing, but that's as far as I'm going to go. Um, you know, people have asked, you know, can you, you know, do the video, internet, camera thingamajigger? And frankly, nobody wants to see me doing readings first thing in the morning in my jammies anyway. <laughs> but um, I don't know. You don't know the guys that are into the paranormal that we know. <laughs> I am not a pretty girl in my pajamas. I think Matt Moniz can attest to that. But I was going to say, I've seen you in your pajamas. <laughs> that sounds really bad, but let me just clarify for the listening audience. <laughs> we have worked events together, and we are in clo- you know, close quarters, and so, frankly, it's just... And we had to share bathrooms. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got... You guys really need to talk to the conference organizers about that. Oh, I was going to say, one of these events, it was me and Chris Williams in our pajamas jumping around at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, now, that's how you know that uh, Moniz is taking extra precautions here, because he doesn't normally wear pajamas, <laughs> if you get what I mean. All right, well, we got some calls Amanda. lined up here. Let's, uh, let's go right to the phones here. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast with Tiffany Johnson. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. Now, Tiffany, um, do you want us to ask their name? Sure, if you want to. Okay, can we have your name and where you're calling from? Sure, uh, my name's Carrie, and I'm calling from Georgia. All right. Hey, Carrie. Hey, how are you? Good. What can I do for you, honey? Um, well, I was just wondering. I heard um, I heard you mention that you're a clear audience, and I was just wondering how you knew that you weren't just hearing some <laughs> valid hearing voices in your head. Oh, or yeah. That it was actually something coming through because I had a psychic tell me once that I could possibly be clairaudient, and I didn't really know how you differentiate between between the two. That is such an amazingly awesome, smart, smart question. Absolutely, such <laughs> a good question. Um, okay, and this comes. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna show my little geeky dumb here in a moment. Um, but what it comes down to is this: um, the brain. Okay, way back in the day, because I wanted I, I was looking to science in my own little way, to kind of understand psychism, how I got what I got, whatever. And so I, for some reason, decided I'm going to look at the biology of the brain and how the brain kind of works, as much as we know about it, which is, frankly, not that much. But the brain doesn't create out of nothing. And what I can tell, and I'm going to explain that, the brain creates out of necessity and solution. It creates, uh, like, an expansion of, of, of an idea. You know, I like this thing, but I want it in pink instead. Or, you know, it creates for those types of reasons. It really, because if I, if I say to you, you know, imagine, you'd be like, okay, imagine, what do you want me to imagine? A, a fire truck, a sunflower, what do you want me to imagine? And so what I, what I would tell you is this, if something pops into your brain and really clear audience, you know, for, for the most part, isn't like, I don't, I don't think I've ever run into any psychic that is clear audience to the point of where they hear a voice like you would hear my voice just talking to you. 
it's more like that inner dialogue that we constantly have. If something pops into your head out of nowhere, and you're not remembering it, it's not part of your educational process, that kind of stuff either, um, it's beyond you. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not yours. And so you have to realize and go, okay, that's, that's not mine. That's, you know, that's, that's essentially something from nothing psychic information. So that, that's kind of how you differentiate it. That's a really quick little answer to that. Does that kind of make sense to you? No, it does. It does because that's that's what happens. Is like sometimes I feel like things just kind of pop into my head, yeah. but I'm not really sure where they come from. Right. I don't know. You know. So right. And if you're not remembering, you know, if it's not something like you know where you're driving home from work and oh yeah, I have to go get butter. <laughs> <laughs> right. If, you know, if it's something like, um, uh, you know, all of a sudden you you have a di- you know have that kind of inner dialogue about oh my gosh, um, you know, all of a sudden you're you know really fixated on your mom's. Think. I'm <laughs> just throwing something out there randomly. You know, why would you ever think that? There, there's no hard, good reason why your brain would create that something out of nothing. Does that make sense? Right. So, it's a, yeah, unless you're just remembering a memory about Thanksgiving and this thing exploded or something, now that's a whole other situation. But if something just pops into your mind for really no good reason, that, that's typically a clear audience or a psychic piece of information. Okay, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, you're so thank welcome, you. sweetie. Okay, have a good night. Sure. What a great right, question. Thanks. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast with Tiffany Johnson. How are you doing? Hello? Err, no. Once, twice. <laughs> All right, well, if you'd like to call in and speak with Tiffany, the number is 508 996 0500, 508 291 You can also email us, Spooky Crew, C R E W at SpookySouthCoast.com, and we can try posing a question that way as well. I had, I had a question I wanted to ask you, Tiffany, and there's there's a television show that everybody has seen you on, and that's Psychic Kids, Children, Children of the Paranormal. Yeah. And on A&E. Yeah. And I, I just had a question for you. I mean, I've, I've watched some episodes of the program. and, and Yeah, lay it on the line, baby. What you and Chip do, you know, I, I give you guys all the credit in the world for Thanks. for taking on this, this subject and tackling the subject. Yeah. But... I I almost have an issue with the idea of helping children find yep. out about psychic abilities through the medium of television. Sure. You know, it seems to me like it's something that if it's going to be done, it should be done private. It almost seems like, to me, it's the parents that, that want to have this for these kids. And, yeah. And Matt Moniz, you made a good point when we were off the air. I call them, you know, psychic John Bonet Ramseys in a certain <laughs> sense. Laugh at that, but I totally understand what you're saying. Absolutely, I understand that. Yeah, I, I mean, I I feel for these kids. I, oh yeah, I I understand what you're doing. What you and Chip are doing are great for the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. I I think the parents, like I said, when it comes to these beauty pageant moms and dads, right, they're they're overdriving these kids, and I think, and you, I'm sure you'll back me up on this. That does them detriment more than it does any uh, help to them. Absolutely, and you're you're dead on. Absolutely, what I would say is this: though those people that do, um, well, a that get on the show, they're interviewed by like eight bazillion people. So okay. those adults that are looking to perpetuate their children's fame and and as a byproduct, their own, yeah. they're weeded out really quickly. I mean that that. 
I mean, no joke. There's, I think, I think I heard that there's eight different interviews before they even really consider them to go on the show, and not only interviews with the children, but with the adults, you know, and mainly the adults. The second thing is, and, and that's, you know, and a lot of people bring up the the whole exploitation aspect. I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand it. But think about this: if you're a parent, and Matt, I know you are. If you're, you know, if your daughter was ten years old freaking out and you were in the middle of god only knows where had no community that you could really talk to had probably explored you know talking to your pastor or whatever but that was about all you could go to once you used whatever resource you could of course of course and so that's what i would say but i i get it and don't get me wrong you know i see what i always tell people is i never go on the defense about anything don't get me wrong you can always take me to task and you probably have the time i agree with you <laughs> but but in, in you know in this instance you have to remember you know that you know like the little girl that i worked with she lives i, I think it's in like indiana and truly it's like in the middle of nowhere nowhere um no cell service no nothing you know they have to go to the library to get the internet i mean just just ridiculous and so Yeah, they, I mean, when when I didn't even meet her, but as she was, the mom was walking up to meet me. The mom started crying and said, "Thank you, just meeting you, thank you." And so it's it's pretty spectacular. But you know, back to you know, should we encourage these kids? The bottom line is these kids that they put on on psychic kids um, already are having extraordinary circumstances. Mm -hmm. We're not helping them have any more extraordinary circumstances. What we're trying to do is give them, and again, you know, what I talked about, you know, earlier in the show is the empowerment aspect, giving them an empowerment, um, you know, not only with their own psychic gifts, but also the empowerment of here's the science, you know, and and you know, do, you know, and following up and doing aftercare. Like I know with one of, I can't remember which boy it was, but I, I just know it was one of the boys. I know that the production crew got together a crapload of equipment, you know, digital camera, you know, an EMF thingy, um, and packaged it up and sent it all to him because he was so into the science of why he was having these experiences. And so, you know, there's a lot of good that comes from it, too. You know, and we always have to kind of put the caveat when we talk about this stuff anyway that the way that it's presented on television isn't necessarily the way that it's handled in person, right. and it's all yeah. done in editing and post-production. And But, I mean, that being said... Uh, I believe it's the same company that does Psychic Kids and Paranormal State. Yes, Am I right in that? It is. Yeah, absolutely. They really are. Um, let's just say they're skilled at the way that they present the program and making it look like there's a lot <laughs> of exploitation was very going nice on. Of you. <laughs> they, they've really found a way to master the art of making it look like these kids are being exploited. Because from the first episode of Paranormal State, I was like, you know what? This is horrible. This is horrible what they're doing to these kids. They're telling them these things, and it's just not coming across, you know, the way that it should be. And I had to just take kind of take a step back at it and say, well, I know that's not how Ryan handles his business. Right. I know that's not how Chip handles his business. It's kind of just the way that it's being packaged together to fit into a, you know, 44 minutes worth of programming. Absolutely. I mean, I was there, and, and only my portion, and I was on for, what, 30 seconds? I mean, I had three minutes of, of on-air time, but I was there for three days. Three days translated into probably five minutes of air. And, and not to mention, you know, Chip, um, Dr. Lisa, you know, and the crew that had been working with these kids, you know, for two days additionally. And so you have to kind of remember that, too. And, there's, you know, I've heard I, I'm not a real bloodhound on the Internet, like on the forums and stuff, but, you know, I've heard a lot of rumblings really just in talking to people about, you know, 
well, what, you know, you guys need to follow up with these kids and la, la, la. And, you know, there, there's a lot of controversy about that. And, you know, the, the bottom line is, you know, anything on TV is entertainment. That's what it is. I'm not saying it's contrived, but it's meant to be entertaining. One way or another, it's meant to evoke something, whether you don't like it, whether you like it, you love it, you hate it, whatever. It is meant to be entertaining. And so you have to remember that. We're trying to do some good. We're trying to affect change. Um, but the bottom line is it is a media resource. Well, let me put this to you, Tiffany. Lay on me, brother. Let's see if you can get the production company to lay out some bucks to help these kids further and make a psychic kids summer camp, a place where all these kids can go back later on without the cameras. Okay, you're freaking me out a little bit, little Mr. Psychic, Matt Moniz, (laughs) Um, because they were going to do that. Okay. (laughs) So how is that? And and truly, they have... They have put up, you know, follow-up, but, I mean, they sent one kid to summer camp. Um, you know, I personally, because I found out one of the kids didn't have a computer, I bought this kid a laptop. Um, you know, like I said, the production company got together all this, you know, investigation equipment, sent it out to the so They really do this, this follow-up stuff, but there is. There has been talk about doing a huge camp for psychic kids, and, and that's already been, been discussed. And, and, frankly, I'm not under any sort of... Um, agreement where I can't say that, so hopefully I don't get yelled at. But um, I haven't signed anything, confidentiality, I don't think. But that's, that's been juggled around already. Well, if we can do anything to help out in that regard, let us know. We'll, Absolutely, I'll we'll let We'll help know. try and raise funds or advertise for it or whatever uh-huh. we can do to help. You guys are so sweet, but yeah. Yeah, well, I, I don't, it, it sounds sweet. Idea. It sounds sweet, but you know what's going to end up happening? As you get us involved, it's going to turn into the psychic version of meatballs. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like the cool thing? Where's Bill Murray when you need it? Um, but, yeah, I, I think that would be great. I mean, you know, the thing of it is, and this is probably my biggest issue that I have with a lot of psychics, is so many damn psychics take themselves so freaking seriously. And, you know, that you know what, that their, well, I was almost going to curse, that their poo doesn't stink. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think if this industry was, and I hate using the term industry, but that's ultimately what it's turning out to be, I think if, people in my industry, you know, understood and had some lightheartedness along with that and, and allowed themselves some of that slapsticky humor that, that really permeates life, you know, everything would be taken much more easily. And, you know, I hopefully, I don't mean this in a bad way, but, but with much less scrutiny, not in a bad way, but, you know, there are just some skeptics out there that, you know, it's great to be skeptical, but have be skeptical, but be open. And, you know, unfortunately, if because we can't laugh at ourselves and other people can't laugh with us. Well, you know, there's always going to be that portion of the population that just ain't, ain't going to be buying what you're selling. Right. You know, they're not going to fish with your bait. So you, you, if you take yourself too seriously, you know, if you're walking around wearing the turban, peeking into the crystal ball, you're just <laughs> selling into their stereotype anyway. Right, exactly. I mean, you know, and I've heard that I truly throughout my career. I think the one thing that I've heard most frequently is you don't look like a psychic and it's like well really what does that look like i don't i guess i don't have a jamaican accent i guess i don't wear the turban neither did miss cleo what (laughs) neither did miss cleo (laughs) i know she was just in the drama club i know she was in the drama club but yeah it's 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 kind of a weird thing if we would just laugh at ourselves and and you know but be respectful everything would fall into place well, I mean, look, it's a it's a serious ability to have, and it's a serious ability to work at and hone. But when you think about it, in practice, it's it's kind of a really weird thing, and you gotta you gotta appreciate it with that. It you gotta, is the person isn't gonna 
understand. The person that you're talking to in a reading isn't going to understand the way you understand. So some of the stuff you're saying to them, they're going to look at you, you know, kind of funny, and you've got to realize that that's how you're going to come across to people. Even when they want to believe everything you're saying, it's still going to freak people out and weird people out until they right. totally understand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot, you know, I still, when, you know, I'm meeting somebody, you know, whether it be like one of my husband's coworkers or just somebody random and they ask me what I do for a living, it's still, you know, it's still very sketchy in how that person's going to react. But, you know, the, the bottom line is humor is that great, you know, um, not mediator, but it's that great, what's the word that I'm looking for? Unifier. Thank you. It's a great unifier. And, I mean, if we can all laugh at ourselves. And, you know, I know a couple plumbers that are really good at laughing at themselves. I know, you know <laughs> some pretty awesome authors that are pretty good at laughing at themselves, even though they might look like a vampire Constantino. Oops, I let that slip. Um, but he's a dear friend, and I love him a bit, so I know I can pick on him. But, um, you know, I mean, if we, if we just laugh at ourselves and realize that, you know, not everything is so serious, it's going to be all, it's all good. I must drive you crazy, though, on, on the opposite side of that coin, when, you know, people always drop the, the psychic jokes whenever they meet you. Oh, my God, if I hear one more time, please, if your listening audience only takes away one thing, don't say this anymore to any psychic or sensitive that you might have on your paranormal team that you run into at a convention or an event. Don't do this. Are you psychic or psycho? Because it's not the first time that we've heard that. Oh, see, now I would have thought you got would have gotten more, hey, my name's Tim, but you knew that already, didn't you? Oh, yeah, right, yeah, right. Or like, you know, when... Yeah. What's the lottery numbers? Oh, my God. My, or when I email you and say, you know, can you come on the show? And you're like, oh, if only I'd already known that you wanted me to come on the show because I already made plans. <laughs> and I want to email you back and say, shouldn't you have already known? But did you already know? Right. No, I didn't already know because for my own... And this is probably, a, you know, a good point to bring up. For my own stuff, and, and this is no joke, and... I'm certain Matt could attest to this too, but I, I'm I am psychic as a brick with my own stuff. I cannot read myself to save my life. And the people that I love, like my husband, can't read them. My mom can't read them. I might get a random hit, but really for my own stuff, no clue. Like if I lose my purse, you know, people will give me flack over that. You know, where's my purse? Where's my purse? Well, can't you find your purse? Yeah, big psychic you are. Yeah, but I can tell you where yours is. <laughs> I have no idea where mine is. All right, we have one call here. Let's try and squeeze in this last call yeah. before we uh, have to wrap things up. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Hi, Tiffany Johnson. how are you? Good, how are you? What's your name? Where are you calling from? Oh, it's Katie from Akushnet. Hey, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Spooktacular. How's things in the house? <laughs> Good. All right. <laughs> What's up, Katie? I actually, can I ask a question about... Um, I'm not going to say what's my future, but I want to know something kind of sort of specific that you don't want me to say specifics. Is that no? I want no. I want you to ask a specific question. Just don't don't lead me. Does that make sense? You know, don't give me too much information so I know where your perspective is on it. Okay. Does well, that make sense? Kind of, sort of. Okay. Um, I'm in school. I just want to know what's going down. <laughs> what's going down? Um. You know, what I'm hearing, honestly, is take a break. You need to take a break. And not a long break, but, like, you know, take a semester or a quarter off. That's, that's what I'm hearing about school is that you just need to take a break. Um, you're doing fine, but you're just overwhelmed. And so take a break. And your guys are telling me that they have been telling you to do this since, like, the spring. And so that's, that's what I'm hearing. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. I'm okay. just about done. <laughs> the countdown is days. We're counting days. 
like 85. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> You're fine. Well, there's your break. I hope so. You can take a break. That makes sense. Okay, so don't dive in. Don't go kill yourself and dive into the job market. Take a break. When you're done, break. Right on. Okay? I will. Thanks, sweetie. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Have Bye. a good night. Bye-bye. All right, Tiffany. Well, I, I got a question for you. Lay it on me. All right. Can you, can you tell us who next week's guest is? I could look on your website and tell you. No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. Well, next week's guest is going to be Steve Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group. He's going to be joining us to talk with us about an upcoming initiative they have called the Million Facts March. And that's about all I can say right now. I can't give away any more information uh, because they're going to announce it on October 1st on his website. Just look uh, look up the Paradigm Research Group. I think it's .org. And you'll find all that information on October 1st. And he'll join us to talk to us about what's going down with that and how the Spooky South Coast audience can get involved with it. And, Tiffany, we are going to work on getting you a bunch of dates up here. (gasps) Yay! Thank you, boys. Thanks, Matt, Matt, and Tim. (laughs) And, and of course, uh, you know, when we we do it, we'll try and get you to come into the studio sometime for a show. Oh, my God. Like, that wouldn't be the first place that I'd show up. There you go. Yeah, hello. Well, it's, it's kind of a dump. I don't care. Like, I haven't been in a radio station before. Ew. Yeah, I don't know. That's they all kind of smell like feet. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she is psychic. I know. All right. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us tonight, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thanks, guys, so much. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you. Take care. Love you, hon. Love you, too, Maddie. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. All right, yes, we will be back next week uh, right at 10.06 at our normal start time uh, for our interview with Steve Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group. And we'll probably have some other stuff going on as well because this this is going to be some pretty big news. So we'll try to get some reaction around the UFO community and maybe even some reaction from the political community if we can find some people willing to to mix politics and UFO. Yeah, I know it's hard, but, you know, if if anybody can find them, it'll be us and and the help of the Paradigm Research Group. So, but uh, before we do go, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end the show tonight a different way than we usually do. Um, normally, at the end of the program, we play our closing theme song. But tonight, we're gonna have a little uh, tribute to uh, actor Paul Newman, who died Friday at the age of 83, surrounded by family and close friends at his Westport, Connecticut farmhouse, following a long battle with cancer, according to his publicist Jeff Sanderson. Now, he hadn't really admitted as much that he was suffering from cancer, but. Uh, friends had known and, and it kind of leaked out to the press a little bit but uh he did pass away at the age of 83 and you know what does he have to do with the paranormal nothing but he's just a, a great actor and uh the movie cool hand luke for anybody that's never seen it 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 is required must see viewing and uh paul newman for all his charitable efforts he kind of you know led the way for celebrities getting involved in these charities and, and what they can do basically almost semi-retiring from acting late in his career and putting all his attention on, you know, racing cars and raising money for his charities uh, through the Newman's Own line of products. And uh, just and like I was saying before, Cool Hand Luke, you know, just the line in the movie says it all. He was a natural-born world shaker. So uh, until next week, we want everybody to stay spooktacular, and uh, we're going to have Paul Newman take us out.
take it with you. When we travel far, get yourself a sweetener down, dressed in rhinestone satin, pedestal of that. Oh,